0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Michael Green. You probably know Michael Green from a few different things um, in the food world, most notably from defending the food trucks uh, in downtown Syracuse and trying to get them uh, more space and more you know, opportunities in downtown Syracuse. And in the past couple of weeks, there is an article that came out that Michael is going to be opening up a uh, food truck park right here in Syracuse, and something I couldn't be more excited about. Um, you can ask my wife, but if, whenever we travel over the last few years, if I see a food truck park or even an area where a couple of them are gathered, I stop and take pictures and save them on my phone because I'm just—it's something I've always been excited, like passionate about getting to Syracuse. If if you had asked me over the past few years, like, what are the concepts that you think it would have been 3-1 fried and it would have been a food truck park? And so I am thrilled that this is coming to Syracuse. Um, couldn't be more excited for it. And thank God it's somebody like Michael who um, not only understands um, city layout and, you know, commercial real estate and, you know, locations, but also is so connected to and such a supporter of the food trucks. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for this project, and I cannot wait for it to get open. It's going to do so much um, in our credibility here in Syracuse for our food scene. Um, we've taken a few weeks off here at the podcast, and uh, you know we've got a couple episodes. that There might be another week or two gap after this episode, but I've got a couple of cool episodes planned coming up. Um, I've got Mike Flynn from Flintstone, who's going to come on the podcast just cause I'm, I'm really interested in who he is and what he's doing downtown. Um, uh, for all you restaurant owners listening or potential restaurant owners, hopeful restaurant owners, we're doing a podcast with Bud Laura, who, you know, we've had on before, uh, possibly Chris Brown, who we've had on before food, who's a food distributor. And then, uh, Zach from spot on, which is a POS company. And uh, that episode's meant to kind of go through. You're looking to open a restaurant, you're a new restaurant owner, you open up a second location. Like, what are the things that you need to look out for? Like, you know, talking to Bud about how to buy things, you know, just all those different aspects. And I'm really excited about that. I will say, if you're a restaurant owner and you're looking to make a switch for a POS system, or you're, you know, getting into a new restaurant and you're just looking for your first POS system, I cannot recommend spot on enough. Um I you know, I've been in this industry now for 6 years in the area and it's really interesting now to be a restaurant owner and to see how things work, uh be behind the scenes. And I don't know, there's just like in the past people have asked for my advice on on stuff and I would tell them, but now I'm like I'm putting these things in the practice in my own restaurant. And uh, Spot On is a company that I cannot recommend enough. Um, this is not a paid sponsorship by them, but we shopped around to a few different uh, POS companies, and ultimately we went with Spot On because they had great um, services that they offered, and they didn't charge monthly for them, which is phenomenal. Things like marketing and online ordering and all that kind of stuff, and um, and the biggest nod to Spot On that I can tell you is Zach, who we're gonna have on the podcast. Uh, the day that I opened the restaurant, that we opened the restaurant, he sat in the restaurant with us for four hours in the dining room, just hanging out, just in case we had any sort of an issue or a question for him. And I do not know of a single other company in this industry in our area that would do something like that. So, if you're a um, uh, and not to I mean I can call him day or night with a question with help. I call Zach. He's in the area. He helps me out with it uh, makes changes to the system. If I need something changed from his phone or, you know, mobile, it just, it's phenomenal. I can't say enough great things about spot on. Um, so if you are, if you're listening and you need a connection to Zach, just send me an email, anthonyeatlocalnewyork.com New York spelled out, and I'll get you guys connected. Um, whew. the restaurant industry is a little interesting right now. It's, uh, it's hard. It's, it's a lot, well, I mean, I can't say it's a lot harder than it has been in the past, Uh, but it is, so I said it, having, you know, handled the social media marketing for number of my clients, uh, you know, we do it for about nine or 10 restaurants in the area now and, um, talking to them, it, it was worlds easier to get customers for them two, three, four years ago than it is today. And talking to owners about how challenging it is to get people consistently in the door. Um, it, it, it's just a lot of things have changed. nobody really, I don't know why. I shouldn't say nobody really knows. I don't think anybody knows. I sure as hell don't know why. Uh, but it's been, it's been, it's become a uh, more challenging uh, task to run a successful restaurant. Um, I don't know how many of you are listening to this who are restaurant owners. I'd imagine it's quite a few of you. Uh, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on that, on how, you know, things have changed for you in running or working in, you don't even have to be a restaurant owner if you're a, a cook or a waiter or a server or whoever, you know, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts about how the, how the restaurant industry has changed over the past couple of years. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect, you know, it's, uh, it's a weird world out there, and um, yeah, it's just strange. That's all I want to say. It's just more challenging and a little strange out there. Uh, well, I'm not going to take up any more time in this intro. We're going to get into the podcast. I'm really excited for you to listen to this conversation uh, with my guest, Michael What do you want to call you? You, want call you, you can just call me Mike. That's okay. fine. <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming on. Uh, excited. You know, it came out on uh, the post-standard, what, last week, two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. that uh, you're opening up a food truck park in Syracuse. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So it's going to be called Harvey's Garden. It's an old vacant warehouse on East Water Street that we're going to convert to a beer hall and a food truck park. So inside the warehouse, you'll have a traditional bar with communal seating. We'll have a self-pour beer wall. So that's going to be one of the first you see in Central New York where people um, show their ID, they get a card, and they pay by the ounce to Mm -hmm. pour different craft beers. And then outdoor, it's going to be an outdoor community space. So there'll be picnic tables, other seating, food trucks, yard games. So the idea is we're going to try to bring like a backyard party atmosphere to Syracuse. That's awesome. Uh, what is
0: the, um, what is the plan of, you know, when you expect it to open up?
1: We're hoping to get started in the next month or so, and then open in the fall. So everything takes longer than you wanted to, but that's, that's what we're shooting for. So the
0: op- so plan is to open up in the fall. That's right. So, uh, was there any, um, cause you're going to be, is, is it right over by Mellow Velo? That's right. Yeah. So, uh. I mean, you obviously have a history with food trucks in the city of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You were like the one uh, member of the Common Council that was in support of them, uh, what, three, four years ago? It's not
1: three, Two or three
0: years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there was the Clinton Square uh, rodeo, and obviously there was a lot of pushback after the first year from that. Um, why is it, well, you know, what is it with you and
1: food trucks? Why are you so passionate about bringing them into downtown? I think for me, it's just having visited other cities where they add so much to the culture and the eating scene. Um, it's just something we haven't tapped into that full potential in Syracuse, in my opinion. Um, food trucks, by definition, can take risks that a normal restaurant wouldn't, right, because yep. they're able to focus on a really specific type of food. So it really adds to the the palate of the dining scene and the community. Um, so it's something that I think... The city hasn't fully recognized the potential of food trucks, and so this project I'm doing is based on models in other places, and the one I specifically went to was called Rayback Collective in in Boulder, Okay, very similar climate. I mean, people in, in Syracuse will say, oh, you can't do that because it's cold sometimes in Syracuse. Okay, well, it gets cold in Boulder, Colorado, too, and yeah. they, they figure it out. So. I, uh, I'm excited because I think it just adds a whole new dimension to the, the food and beverage scene in Syracuse.
0: So what is the plan for the wintertime with the Cause I mean, obviously the beer garden will be able to stay open, uh, year round, but how does that work for the trucks?
1: Yeah, we'll still have some trucks. I think certainly you're going to see more popularity in the summer when it's beautiful out, but... We have looked at other models where you have tents, where you have heaters inside. Um, So you'll see something like that, where you'll see tents outside with heaters that people can go outside, order from a food truck, and still get some service that way. Yeah, that's cool. Is that what they do in Boulder? They don't. I mean, they just leave it outside and they just just go with it. But I've certainly been to other breweries. K2 in Rochester, Mm -hmm. they have a huge tent that they use a heater for and it's I was there in December and it was bumping, you know. Oh, so really? people people do it in other places.
0: I mean, we've talked about it before. I think last uh, fall at that uh, limp lizard parking lot party, mm-hmm. and I think it's exciting. I mean, I go back to uh, I go well. I, th- I think I so, have pictures on my phone. Uh, my wife and I, right before the pandemic, were in Hawaii and Honolulu. We were taking pictures because there's a, there's small food truck parks there. And I used to live near Austin and there's big food truck parks there. Uh, Visiting Cincinnati, there's like something that's very similar to what you're describing of what you're going to be building. So yeah, I think it's really exciting. It's amazing to see how much Syracuse has
1: progressed over the past few years. Do we have a small population growth from the census? We did. It was very small, but it was the first yeah. time we've seen population growth in about 50 years, so it was an important turning point. It was like, what, 1% or yeah, something? Yeah, it was small, but yeah. still, at least we're heading in the right direction. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> um, and that's just for the city, right? Right. Yeah. I've said it on the podcast for the last year. Uh, since last summer, I noticed people walking downtown that are dressed uh, like something you typically wouldn't see in Syracuse. And I've been shocked. I'm like, I didn't know people like that had li- you know, lived here now. Uh, but downtown has been changing quite significantly over the past six years you know since I've been in the food scene around here so it's exciting to see something like this come for sure have you had any pushback since it's been announced from like any business owners or anything like that
1: no I haven't um no one said anything to me personally and I think part of the reason is that the location of this was intentionally chosen in a way that isn't um it's not downtown, right? I mean, right. it's close to downtown, but it's not directly across it. There's nothing else that's really like it. Um, you know, I've been to Melavello, and that's a great establishment, but it's not really the same thing. I mean, that's a yeah. sit-down place. It's more of a cafe. This is more of a, a bar and and food truck thing. So we see it as complementary, where people would go to one and then go to the other. Um, it's not directly in a neighborhood where there's houses across the street. It's kind of an industrial area with the parks. So from a noise and a parking perspective, you won't see a lot of pushback there. So um, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive.
0: I mentioned the Where Syracuse Eats thing when I was changing the lighting because uh, if you haven't gone through those yet, um, well, I'm sure as being on the council, you're probably used to the negative comments about just about anything. So uh, you'll get more of that once this opens. Unfortunately, people on there can be ruthless. Um, so get ready for that. Um, but you know, a lot of people have been talking about the beer wall in the first article that came out. Um, it's definitely, that's without a doubt, new Strigo vineyards out in baldensville has their kind of uh, wine wall. I don't know if you've seen that before mm-hmm. or been out there, but, um, like what's the, what's the significance of doing the wall that way for the beer instead of just like a typical bar?
1: Well, first let's take a step back and say there is going to be a traditional bar as part of it. Right. So, um, we'll still have that option for people that want to do it. Mm. Um, what we, the reason we did it, with the beer wall is that we want to highlight different local craft breweries. And by doing it that way, you get people that are sampling more, that they may go to the wall and say, I'm going to try three different things before I ultimately make my selection in a way that you won't do at a traditional bar. I mean, you maybe you get one sample from a bartender, but you're not going to try four things yeah. and, without getting... Annoyed, annoyed, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so that's where we really did that. Um, it's fun and it's different. Um, you know, some of the comments I've seen I think were a, a miscommunication of how it was like the article made it seem like you've got to go up and refill your cart every single time you mm-hmm. try something else. The way the system works is it's for 64 ounces. So, when you pour mm-hmm. the equivalent of two beers, um, then you've got to go refilled. So, that's a normal amount to do it. Um, yeah. and then you know, there's people that will say there's, uh, you know, that you're eliminating bartenders, that's not how it works, right? So for one, we're going to have someone that's there to monitor it anyway, to teach you how to use it and educate people how to do it um, so that they're pouring it the right way and Mm -hmm. they understand all that. So we're still going to have people working there as well as a traditional bar. So um, look, I love Syracuse. This is my community. I love it we're curmudgeon sometimes and something comes new and they're like, well, that maybe worked in every other part of the country, but it won't work here. And so I accept that I'm used to it and we'll, we'll be okay with it.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, maybe being in local politics, you probably have to have like the thickest skin of anybody. So you probably are uh better suited for this than just the typical <laughs> restaurant owner. Right. When, and when it comes to that, when did you first start getting the idea for this? Like, like walk me through that process of, you know, you had the idea and then the research
1: and all that. So, Again, as as we have talked about, I'm on the council and I've worked with the food trucks, so I've always been looking for opportunities to showcase them more. I visited this place in Boulder that was a very similar concept, so I wanted to bring it here. But you know, my background is in public service, but then also commercial real estate. So I've done property management and, and leasing. So I was looking for a spot and then trying to find an operator to to do it, and that was really what I tried to do. But as I identified this building. I think it's a it's a new concept that's a risk. So for a lot of people that are established working in a restaurant on a day-to-day, they're so busy that they don't really have time to step back and say, let me put together this huge business plan and this whole thing, right? So I, at that point, realized that to make it happen, the best way to do it would be for me to get it going and mm-hmm. from a development standpoint. And then once you have this completed project go to someone that's working in a restaurant and say, okay, now we're going to hire you to, to manage this and, and run the food and beverage operations. So, um, that's how we went about doing it. And hmm. I think the location, um, the reason I became aware of it is there's actually a park next to it that I helped build the dog park in it. Okay. Um, so I was taking my dog there to, and I saw this vacant warehouse and I connected the need for this food truck park with the vacant building.
0: Yeah. Um, were there a lot of people that you had reached out to before uh, ultimately making the decision to kind of do it yourself?
1: Yeah, I met with a couple different different um, prospects to do it. Um, and I think everyone would say, yes, this is an awesome idea. And then when I would say, OK, let's do X, Y and Z, they would say, oh, well, I can't do it now because we're in our busy season. and We have to do that. So that's just kind yeah. of how it came to be. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, there's a lot of cool ideas that I have that, uh, I like start, I'm like, oh, that'd be amazing one day if that would happen. Right. Um, and, uh, hopefully there was through and fried was kind of like that. I had the idea for the name of the restaurant and the concept. And I was, I told just about anybody that would listen. I was like, listen, hopefully you'll take it and run with it. And it'd be cool to see that come to life. Yeah. You know? So, uh, before eventually I got lucky with, uh, Chuck and Nick wanting to do it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, did you ever see yourself as, you know, you know you're know you in commercial real estate, right? As you're in nine to five and local government. And did you ever see yourself as
1: the developer slash owner of a food truck park? Definitely didn't. And my wife, uh, you know, it took a lot of negotiation <laughs> to get it moving forward. I mean, luckily she thinks this is cool too and she wants to see it. And we've talked to so many of our friends about just having a place where we can meet up and bring our kids and bring our dogs and not have to get a reservation or come and go whatever time you want. So, um, you know, that's why she's ultimately supportive. But again, this isn't what I'm trained to do, right? (laughs) So, um, that's where I try to be cognizant of what I know and what I don't know. And that's where I'm ultimately going to find someone that can run it and I trust them and they can, they can go from there because, um, it's not my area of expertise and Mm -hmm. I, it's important to know your limitations.
0: Yeah. Is that something that you envision like always being a part of uh, that ownership or leadership or is it something that you're hoping that you can just completely
1: turn the reins over to one day? I anticipate always owning it um, and just having, you know, staff and managers that'll run it. Yeah. So Nick uh,
0: Sanford, who's, you know, a good friend and president of the Food Truck Association, he's involved with it. And um, uh, I'd imagine he's going to be taking care of that aspect, right? Bringing in all the trucks.
1: Yeah. So Nick was involved for one to partner with the food truck association so that we get, um, you know, their involvement and their feedback on it. But then also for him to advise me on some of these details of how he should go about structuring it and doing that. Um, even just logistical things where he'd look at a plans. And initially we were uh, designing the outdoor A in a way that the trucks would back out. And he was like, "You're not going to back out this truck. It's too hard, right?" So, so we ended up designing so it pulls through, and then it's easier for them. So, even just those kind of details on the day to day, it's been important to have him there to kind of fill in the gaps of my knowledge.
0: How does that work when you're on the city council? Do you have to like present this to the council for? Like, is there like how does that work for disclosure when you're doing business or
1: anything like that? So, there's nothing here that would require like council approval. Like, it's not going to. In a scenario where yeah. I ever did something, I would just recuse myself and I wouldn't right. be involved in that. But this one doesn't; It's just a, it's allowed by the zoning as it is. Yeah. Um, so it it doesn't really come into play. And like yeah. this development is me as Mike Green as a private person. It's not like my council right. hat is not not related to it. Yeah, it's not like you're getting special treatment because yeah, no, All we're right. not we're not asking for tax breaks or yeah. anything <laughs> like that. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's
0: wild. I mean, it really is. It's in, it's encouraging to see uh, somebody like yourself uh, who's involved in so many different aspects of uh, development in Syracuse. Um, you know, from commercial real estate to, you know, like I said, you know, government, and then now building something like this out. It's uh, it's it's cool to see people that are taking an investment into the city of Syracuse.
1: Yeah, and for me. I live five minutes from here and and it's as much a part of me trying to build my neighborhood up to make it a place that there's more activities, there's more things to do that you can take visitors to. Um, So it's as much a business venture as it is me saying, you know, I love my city and I want to make it a little better.
0: What are some of those things that you've seen over the past, you've been on the council
1: for what, three years? Since 2018. 2018, four years. Yeah. Okay.
0: So what are some of those things that you have seen, Uh, change in the city over that time?
1: Has it gotten better?
0: I mean, it's (laughs) been a really
1: weird time, right? There's been a lot of changes just nationally that have gone on during this time period, so it's hard to weigh everything. Um, I think we've gotten better in some areas. We haven't gotten better in other areas. There's been some new development. That's good. Um, You know, one of my babies is the the sidewalk program. Mm -hmm. That's, for me having a city that's walkable is one of the more important things you can do as a city to differentiate yourself from the suburbs. Um, so the fact that we're able to get that done, I think was really important. Um, so I think we, you know, it's incomplete. There's, there's things that have gotten better and there's things where we still have more work to do.
0: Being a partner in the restaurant, I'm like leading up to it. I was researching for, you know, two months leading into it. Um, fried chicken sandwiches all over the country, you know, in Los Angeles, in Las Vegas, in New York City and like big cities. I wanted to see what other restaurants, other fried chicken restaurants were doing, and get ideas, see what we could, you know, copy that was seemed successful and see, you know, get ideas for the branding and all that kind of stuff. And there's still a massive amount of uh, things that I would love to do with a restaurant. How does that work for you as uh, somebody who has such a strong role in local government? I mean, is it are, they, are you like researching other successful councilmen? And, you know, like, is there like a who's who of uh, city council members in the United States that, you know, you look back on or is it kind of just going with what, you know, you hold, to,
1: hold dear as your values. And. Yeah, so I don't think we I look towards specific individuals. I think we look towards other cities and say, what are they doing that works well? And then let's try to bring that here. So, you know, you talk about the sidewalks, but then there's just basic infrastructure things like, you know, how can we improve our trash pickup? How can we improve our sewer work, our road paving? I mean, that's a simple thing, but like, as a, as a basic thing, anyone that's driven around Syracuse the last five years, we've always had bad roads. They're getting a little better. We've been paving like two or three times the amount that we used to. Mm-hmm. And it was a simple thing. But we used to pave our roads, and we would spend half the money on replacing the curbs and half the money on the pavement. Mm. But You know, people don't drive around saying, like, oh, that curb is slightly uglier than I want it to be. People drive around saying, why is there potholes everywhere? So that was one of the things I did where I said, like, let's keep the curbs the way they are and pave twice as many roads. And as a result of that, we're able to start turning it around a little bit. So, you know, there's simple things like that where you you look at other cities and then you look at best practices and you say, you know, how do we bring those things to Syracuse?
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we have been doing a lot of paving (laughs) over the past, uh, what, two years. So what's your hope for, you know, I mean, switching hats a little bit and talking more about the council. I mean, what, what is your hope for your career on the council? Is there, I mean, besides obviously, you know, things that you want to see kind of, you know, be more beneficial as a resident, is there anything that you're hoping, all right, in the next two years, I'm really hoping to leave this stamp, you know, the Michael Green stamp on the city of Syracuse?
1: The biggest thing I've been trying to focus on is improving transit in the city. So, um, bus rapid transit is this proposal that I've been trying to advocate for. It's essentially having subway type service in terms of the frequency, but with buses because it's so much cheaper to build out a bus system than it is to build a subway system underground. So, we've been talking to Centro, we've been talking about looking at federal grants, and the idea, I mean, that would connect OCC to downtown to the end of the line in Eastwood on Sol- on uh, on James Street would be one line, and then the other part of the X would be from the Regional Transportation Center to the mall, down Salina Street to downtown, and then going up to University Hill. So it's all the kind of key job places in the city would be connected, um, and it would come every 15 minutes. So, hmm. you know, if you live five-minute walk from James Street in Eastwood, all of a sudden you can walk to James Street and you can be downtown in eight minutes, Hmm. right? And all of a sudden maybe you don't have to pay for parking downtown at your office or, you know, your two-car family can go to one car because you can do that and there's a lot of savings there. Um, It also increases the development opportunities. So you go to a place like South Ave and there's just vacancies everywhere between um, Strathmore and downtown. But if all of a sudden there was a bus coming every 15 minutes, you know, maybe it does make sense to build an affordable housing that, you know, you don't need to build a parking lot for and those things. So yeah. to me, that's the big thing that would take Syracuse into kind of being a more urban city that you have a good transportation network. So that's that's the biggest thing I've been fighting for since I've been on the council. And that's what I want to make sure gets done before I, before I leave.
0: Yeah. Driving around uh, Syracuse, there's like you were just mentioning like the Fayette corridor mm-hmm. here. Like there's so many available properties here. Um, I was driving on Geddes, you know, just the other day and just thinking like that one stretch from like here to the bridge up to West Genesee street, you know, such a rough little stretch. Yep. I mean, after you hit Stratomia, you know, uh, from Stratomia basically to, uh, the bridge, it's just really, really, really bad. And, um, are there any programs that like. You know, a lot of restaurant owners listen to this. So are there any programs that in place that benefit someone who wants to go into a, um, you know, run down part of the city
1: and build something like open up a business or revitalize it? So I'm on the board of SEDCO, which is the Syracuse Economic Development Corporation. And what we do is we give low interest loans to people that want to open or expand a business in the city. So that's exactly the type of thing we do is if someone wants to open a new business in a neighborhood that... We do everywhere. We do downtown, but we're particularly interested in neighborhoods outside the key downtown area to try to revitalize those neighborhoods. So Mm. we'll give loans that a bank maybe wouldn't give because it is risky, because it makes sense for the city to invest in the neighborhoods that have been underinvested in. So, Mm. yeah, if you go on the city's website to SEDCO, it's a comparatively streamlined process compared to getting a normal Loan, um, and we do up to 150 grand in, in loans. So hmm. um, it can it can make a difference, and we've we've funded some some cool projects from there.
0: Yeah, is that something that you've seen? Is that a program that you've seen grow over the past couple of years?
1: Yeah, the city received a lot of money during the pandemic from the federal government, yeah. and we set aside a lot of it specifically to Sideco. So we've been giving a lot of loans through that program.
0: Yeah, what do you think that's going to look like over the next? I mean. You know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of issues in the national economy right now, uh, you know, with gas prices just skyrocketing, interest rates rising. Everybody's, nobody really knows what the hell's going to happen, and uh, neither do I. I was homeschooled for most of my life, so I have no idea uh, about any of it, Um, except for that I'm glad that I bought a hybrid uh, last (laughs) summer. Um, But how do you think that the next, like, year or two is going to impact that? Uh, do you think that, is there a concern is there like kind of a plan in place for if business and, you know, development, like new businesses coming to town, start to, uh, just plummet?
1: I think it's a hard, I think you don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen. Right.
0: So Wait, I, hold on. Do you don't have the answer as a city councilman? You don't know everything
1: that's going to happen. I don't happen? know <laughs> the entire world of what's going to happen. That's true. <laughs> um, you know, so I think we need to be cognizant as a city of what's going on in the world. And if we can offer support, we will. I mean, that's something we did during the pandemic because it was a similar situation where so many restaurants were closing. Um, and we did give grants. I mean, we did grants to keep, keep it open, to pay the rent, to pay all the expenses that were fixed expenses that they had to incur. So we were prepared. And when that happened and we, if we need to do something similar in the future, I think the city would, would do it and we would do it through Sideco. That was the entity that we did. Um, we did, I mean, I think over a hundred loans to city businesses to keep them going during the pandemic. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, so so Sedco did the loans during the pandemic, but this did the, was it, the, it. was the actual city that did the grants, or did that go through Sedco as well?
1: It all went through Sedco, but the city. Sedco is a separate entity from the city, but it's related. Um, okay. So the city gives money to Sedco, and then Sedco administers those grants. Gotcha. Okay. Um, is it ever
0: like? Is it ever weird for you being? Um, so connected to, you know, the commercial business world and also being on the council? Because, you know, from, from what it sounds like, I mean, you kind of have an eye like, you know what's going on, uh, you know, and being a business owner and being in the commercial real estate world. But at the same time, you have like a passion for, it sounds like, helping uh, build the city up and local business. So is it ever kind of like a weird conflict or internal
1: conflict. It hasn't come up yet where it's like a project that I'm working on requires city approval. Um, So maybe that day will come one day and then, you know, in that context, I would have to step back from my role as a council and let the other eight counselors vote on it and do it like that. But I find it helpful because there'll be times when something comes before the council and maybe I haven't worked on that project, but I've seen something similar. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to kind of provide a perspective that, um, of you know, the other counselors don't work in this real estate world, so they're not able to say, you know, this is a good deal for the city or this is a bad deal for the city. Mm. Um, so I think it's a unique perspective. In the same way that if, you know, some music perspective came up, Joe Driscoll could right. weigh in on it in a way that I'd defer to him and say, Joe, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you do, right? Yeah. So um, to well, me, it's been, it's been really helpful, I think, to have that background.
0: Yeah. When does Joe
1: transition into the new role? He hasn't. Given a definitive date, but I, I think it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. It'll be soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then, how, how does that go for that seat? Does somebody? Does the? It's oh, always drama. That's good <laughs> drama. So, <laughs> is it appointed or is it vote? It's not voted. So a couple of things will happen. The, the council will appoint someone that'll serve through the end of this year. Yeah. Assuming Joe. Vacates the seat before August eighth, which it sounds like he's going to. It'll go on the ballot this year. That there'll be an election in November for him to serve, him or her to serve the last year of his term. So it would be twenty twenty three. But then in twenty twenty three, there's also going to be an election for the next two year term. Yeah. So, in theory, the council could appoint someone to serve this year. Someone else could win an election in November, and then someone else could run and win the year after that. So it'll (laughs) be uh, it'll be very interesting, but.
0: Do you know who's on that? Like do you, is there is there a short like is there a, a short list of people that the council's always looking at like this person would make a good council member?
1: We don't have anything like that. Um you know, I think it's we know who's active in the community because of like the people that we interact with are also yeah. those people. So it seems hard to imagine someone that we've never met before would stand up and say, I want this seat. It's probably gonna be someone that's been going to neighborhood meetings mm-hmm. or, you know, running a nonprofit or doing something that has already interacted with city government. Yeah. But it's not like we've got like a short list of three candidates here. It's just too yeah. early to say. Yeah. What are, I mean, you know, how is your,
0: uh, how has your thinking or perspective on things changed since you've been on the council?
1: I think I have a new appreciation for how, hard it is to bring about change, right? Like I think it's easy to look at it and say the community should be doing this differently, but you don't necessarily know the entire like legal reasons as to why that can't change or who's going to oppose the change and mm-hmm. you know, all those things. So, um, to really bring about change, it's, it's hard and you've got to organize a group of people that'll be supportive and that'll support those changes. So, um, I, enjoy the work and the impact we've made, but it's tiring, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot. Yeah.
0: Do you regret it? Do you, you do you ever regret
1: uh like having joined the council or yeah? No, I mean, um I want the city to get better and I think I've got good ideas that'll help do it. So even when I get frustrated, I'm still doing something that I love. So I appreciate it. I mean you you were there, but picture the food truck stuff where we had where I mean that was just such an incredible battle, you know. And it was just like I thought I was doing the right thing trying to make it better and but a lot of people yelled at me and you know so that's just that just is what it is. You got to accept that people aren't going to always agree with you, you know. Yeah.
0: I got I got caught up in that and I wasn't even really involved. I wasn't involved in any of it besides maybe sharing so yeah, you know, I had Nick on the podcast back when all that went down, but uh I mean I was getting de- I was getting, you know, direct messages from people saying uh, you know, hey, a lot of the restaurants in your card are restaurant, or you know, are in downtown, and they're the ones that are complaining about this. So you might want to be careful.
1: I don't want to reopen wounds, but I'll just say this: <laughs> that when we were proposing this, it was going to be twelve Wednesdays in the summer where food trucks would be competing with downtown restaurants, and we got a lot of feedback that that would potentially close downtown restaurants, and the people that we heard from. That subsequently went through an eighteen-month global pandemic where people couldn't sit in the restaurant and somehow still survived. So, <laughs> I think in retrospect, maybe they were overplaying how badly it would hurt them. But yeah. we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and one of
0: the biggest uh, opponents to that is now no longer in downtown. So true, uh, unrelated to the food truck. Yeah. The food trucks didn't happen, and it's still you know. So yeah, right. It's. Um, I mean, I. How do I, uh, I want to say this? Um, I'm an idiot. Uh, I'll just I'll preface what I'm about to say by saying I'm an idiot and don't know what I'm doing most of the time when it comes to any of this. And I will also say that now even being a partner, like not being the owner of a restaurant who's solely responsible for a hundred percent of everything and in the kitchen, all the, all the stuff, all the time. Uh, but now being a partner in two different food beverage businesses, I also realize how incredibly challenging it is. Mm-hmm. so, having said both of those things again, I'm dumb, and I have a little bit of an idea of how challenging it is. I'm still surprised how many people open up a restaurant and don't have any idea of what they're doing mm-hmm. um it's still a shock to me yeah um and uh and with that said it it is today it's it's harder than ever to own a restaurant
1: I think the challenge. In that industry, is that there are people that are really talented chefs, or you know, that can make an amazing drink, mm. and would transition that into owning a business, which is a different skill set, right? To be able to run a business yeah. versus to be able to make great food. Yeah, right? and I think that's where you get people that run into that issue. It's like you said.
0: I think it's like uh, you said with being on the council. You realize now how much it takes to actually get change to happen Mm -hmm. and really anything. And um, I think that is the case in almost every area of life. Nothing is overnight, Mm -hmm. nothing that's of worth or significance. It's always time. That's always the one thing that, you know, it doesn't really, it's no different. I don't, you know, whether you're running a restaurant, whether you're trying to, get better sidewalks or, you know, more walkable city, um, or better public transportation or whatever it is. Um, it always takes time. And I think that's, that's the thing that a lot of people don't, um, consider, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had eat local now for six years. It still doesn't really mean anything in the world of, uh, food and beverage. Um, uh, And I still struggle. I still have an idea of, like, for a business. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And I still forget it's going to take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot of time to get that to do anything. Um, So, yeah. Well, uh, here's hoping that, uh, you know, everything that you do goes speedily and successfully.
1: We'll see. Yeah.
0: Um, So what's it been like in the commercial real estate world over the past year?
1: So I do mostly office and then some retail. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It's been not a great time to lease yeah. office space, so yeah. a lot of people have been working from home. Uh, so companies have been, you know, they're not, for the most part, building big offices and stuff like that. So um, it's been slower than than what you would normally see in a normal economy, for sure. Yeah, and I think no one knows the long term, you know, implications of working from home. Like, is is, is this going to be permanent? Is it going to be temporary? Are people going to do a hybrid? I think the answer is going to be some mix of all that, mm-hmm. but as a result, you're not seeing a lot of people committing to longer term mm-hmm. deals because companies just don't know what the future looks like. Yeah. I think um
0: yeah, they don't. I mean, my wife works for the state for the Department of Health. Uh she's still working from home. Um she's not they're not going back into the office and their her office is downtown above Wildflower. So mm-hmm. um yeah, you know, she's still working from home and has been, and I don't think there's any plan to go back. Um, but uh, I think that's probably, for me, I can say it, it, that's one of the, cha- is just like a, you know, a human being, that's one of the challenges. There's, there is no, like, set, oh, okay, this is how it's going. Everything's up in the air, mm-hmm. um, and the restaurant industry, and marketing, and you know, what to expect of businesses to do or things to how things should function. Everything is up in the air right now, which is really difficult and weird. (laughs) There isn't really a normal baseline. So, yeah. Um, Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm excited, really excited for this uh, food truck park to be opened. It's going to be not only, you know, is it necessary for the growth, for the community, for the food world, food and beverage world here in Syracuse, but um it, I think it's really going to put Syracuse just you know one step closer to kind of putting ourselves on the map for the industry um not you know we don't there's not a lot of i i've jokingly said i i had a zoom interview with a guy who is a um uh he was a commercial real estate broker and um restaurant tour out of New York City in the early days of the pandemic and Um, him and his wife had moved up to the Hudson Valley out of the city and they were kind of based out of there. And so I had this interview with him um, just kind of getting to know what he does. And so he was, he was saying you're based in Syracuse. What's that like? And I said, in the restaurant world, we're about five years behind Buffalo, (laughs) which is about 10 years behind, you know, New York city or LA or any of that kind of stuff. And he was, you know, laughing and unfortunately that is true, but uh, it feels like over the past two years we've made some strides, you know?
1: Um, I mean, that's definitely accurate. I can say, you know, when I used to live in New York city, you know, you'd see speakeasies, you'd see beer gardens and then we've now gotten those and I'm grateful we did. But yeah, it was 10 years after New York city, yeah, had them for sure. Right. So.
0: Um, somebody was, sa- was saying to me um, through and fried is so amazing. It's like the hot new trend in the country and the food world. And, I was saying, no, it's not. Like a fried chicken sandwich, Is they were saying, is the hot new trend. I was like, no, it's not. Like, I've been working with the restaurants in Buffalo and Rochester that started this right before the pandemic, and now they've closed up shop two years ago because the trend is now moving, and we're just getting that in Syracuse. So, um, you know, uh, luckily the food truck parks aren't a trend, and, uh, you know, there's been cities who have had them for years and years and years successfully. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it won't be a fad that goes away. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. We'll have you back on as it gets closer to opening. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Local New York Podcast. Uh, you can just, you know, I don't know how you're listening to this, but you can always just go to eatlocalnewyork.com and find the new episodes every week when they come out. Uh, you can also purchase your Eat Local New York card there, and that means it's going to help you save $5 whenever you go out and spend $25 or more at over 150 locally owned restaurants in New York State. And you can also download our free mobile app, <clears throat> where as a cardholder, you can use the app to get your discount and also see uh, which restaurants accept the Eat Local New York card and are near you. So head to eatlocalnewyork.com, buy the card, and download the app there. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We're going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York podcast.